for sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. And I'm Jack's complete lack of surprise. <laughs> I'm I'm Jill's nipple. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. Uh, we've gone from, uh, we, we've switched formats here at the For Sure podcast. We are now a Fight Club podcast. So All Fight Club, all the time. <laughs> now, all, all, all the time. Now, so, now uh, listen up, listen up to our rules. The first two are the same. <laughs> Although it would yes. be opposite. It would be like the yeah, first rule yeah, of For we, Sure Club yeah. is you have to tell everybody about For Sure Club. <laughs> That's how we do it at this yeah. brand, new, brand new show. Anyways, uh, folks, uh, we're, we're excited to come back to you in uh, this brief light break between rounds, even though part of the second round has already started. But um, that, uh, you know, we, we usually like to uh, maybe keep you guys uh, entertained uh, in between these, uh, these these playoffs and uh unless you've been uh s- stuck under a rock um you were probably aware that this was a first round for the ages of the NHL playoffs because peter all four division winners went bye bye yeah bye 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 and uh it was you know, just just like we were talking about, I think the last episode, it was uh, you know, hearkening back to the the biggest one of them all, the the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, falling at the edge of the Columbus Blue Jackets cannon. Uh, it basically, I, I'm going to lay this one all on Sean McIndoe because he did exactly what I thought he was going to do, which was basically invoke the 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 Montgomery Burns edict, which is yes. well, it says uh, two uh, three uh, three <laughs> misfortunes maybe. Seven misfortunes. There's outside chance, but nine. Oh, I'd like to see that. Yeah. So, we've uh, we we we're, we're at, we've reached the, we've crossed the Rubicon. We are in unknown territory. So, um, Pete, do you want to take this matchup by matchup, or do we just want to talk about just we'll just like guttural scream like, huh? <laughs> well, what? I mean, I I I think that basically what we can do is like th- th- to me there are a few matchups that are kind of more interesting, kind of have more interesting storylines. Then there's ones that are kind of like, oh, that happened, um, just because <laughs> not not that it was bad and not that like maybe the winner didn't deserve it or anything like that, but like there wasn't there wasn't a lot of drama to come out of it, if that makes sense. Like for example, um, Islanders beat Pittsburgh, right? Um, th- for me, the only interesting thing about that was how surprised a lot of people were um, because the Islanders were the higher seed. Um, obviously they've been getting tremendous goaltending all season and Barry Trotz has shown that he's a very good coach in the playoffs. I mean, he's a very good coach regardless, but he's a very good coach in the playoffs. So, I mean, that was a sweep. It's, you know, it's, it was over for a long time. Um, I had almost forgotten that they hadn't played, you know, like, no, cause you know, they hadn't played in a while. So, um, that series is going to start tonight as we record this, we're recording this on Friday and, I have Avengers tickets, so I will not be seeing this game live, unfortunately, because out of out of all the second round matchups, this is definitely one of the ones that I'm the most interested in, um, Carolina and the Islanders. So 
let's talk a little bit about that Carolina Capital series. Yeah, I um, I I don't know which. It's funny because I, I think the Carolina series and the Blue Jackets series was a competition to which which series was the most appropriate to deploy the Morpheus gift from the Matrix. So he's looking at the monitor and he just says, he's beginning to believe. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, the effort it takes to, to outlast the cup champion versus sweeping the, the you know, the basically the favorite. Gosh, I don't know. I, I Like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, what do you think, like, took more effort? I mean, like, you can, like, mm. objectively say, but maybe just, the Carolina series was. I, I feel like I largely forgot about it because I think the, I think the Blue Jacket series kind of just took everybody's attention immediately. Because when they went down two zero, everybody was like, uh, "Genie, hold my calls." <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, uh, can you go ahead and clear the rest of my day? Something's happened, and so that one kind of fell by the wayside. So like, here's everybody still talking about. Wow, you know, like friggin' Goliath meet David Slingshot, but at the same time, it's like, wait a minute, the 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 Caps are are not winning. What? <laughs> oh my God, they didn't win. Oh, was it games? And it was Justin Williams again. What? <laughs> so, so that was that was very that was very cool. That was that it was I, I i'm i'm still kind of reeling from it because i was i was watching it while i was uh, working one of the uh, baseball games and so having it on in the background i'm just kind of glancing over i'm like oh this uh, you know what i think this one's going to go to to three overtimes and a buddy of mine was like um you think it's going to go that long and i was like well i, I think it's going to go over long as it has to but i know that if the result is going to be carolina because you don't reach this point to 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 not win it because the way Morazic was playing I think we're seeing the type of morassic that the Red Wing fans really wish we had consistently because I think in those high-pressure moments, I think Morazic has now earned his keep in terms of being able to, you know, you know, maybe not consistent, consistently, but now in a situation where it obviously matters the most, it's an elimination game seven, right? And and that the, the, Jor- the Jordan Stahl goal that Holpe let in, if you compare how Morazic was playing to just how leaky that goal was, I just I made I just made the decision for the planet. <laughs> I just decided I was like, yep, hmm. yep, Holtby is uh, nervous, uh, and uh, uh, Morazic is playing out of his mind. They will win this game. Yeah, so I mean, I think we can probably skip talking about the Tampa Columbus series just because in our interview we have Allison Lucan. What and we, talk- we, ha- we have Allison t- Lucan? <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, that'll be exciting. <laughs> And, and we talk about that a lot with her. So um, I think that'll, you know, that'll make sense to, to just just do it there. Um, now, what was interesting to me is out west because there were basically. Obviously, I mean, obviously, there's four series um, and. Let's see, all of them, except for the San Jose series, were upsets in terms of the the lower seed winning. But I wasn't. Uh, uh, incredibly surprised at anything outside of the the Colorado Colorado Calgary. I, I I definitely thought Colorado had a chance because they have an incredible top line. I mean, you know, arguably you, you could definitely make a valid case that they are the best line yep. in the league. Obviously, obviously there are a couple other lines. You know, the the Boston line, for, for instance, that are going to you know kind of challenge you on that, but. 
you know, they had a, they have an incredible line. They, they have, uh, you know, really good young defensemen uh, and their goalie, Philip Grubauer has, has finally started to play the way that people had thought he would um, when they were, you know, f- choosing like, do we keep him? Do we trade him, et cetera. And, you know, Colorado obviously bought into Grubauer and in the beginning it looked like, eh, he's not doing so great. Uh, but then, this season, especially the second half, he really came on and he has been playing very well in the playoffs. And so they didn't just beat Calgary. They beat him 4-1. That was really surprising. Um, but then at the top, and, and obviously we can come back and talk about that. Uh, I just kind of want to run through the West really quick. Um, the the Dallas-Nashville series, again, I I had thought Nashville was going to win. Uh, when I did my bracket, I, I chose Nashville. Um, but I wasn't horrendous. I wasn't tremendously surprised to see Dallas win that same thing. They have a goalie that is not only good, but is known for getting hot at the right time. Uh, they have really good forwards. You know, they have, you know, pretty, pretty good defensemen too. And for a while, people have been saying like, you know, when is Dallas gonna, gonna make the jump? So it wasn't tremendously surprising to see that. I think probably the, the Winnipeg St. Louis was, surprising in that Winnipeg was easily the favorite. They had a lot of good players, but at the same time, I think, you know, we talked about this, I think in the, uh, the, the playoff preview that the sec, you know, the, the end of the season, Winnipeg was playing, or, you know, like the last stretch of the season, Winnipeg was really underperforming and St. Louis was really overperforming based on how they were playing earlier. And so, you know, if you go in looking at upset potential, that's, you know, that's a pretty good recipe for an upset. And um, so I wasn't tremendously shocked to see either Dallas or St. Louis win. Um, but I think I think the bottom of the bottom half of the bracket with the Colorado Calgary series was interesting. And obviously the game seven craziness that was Vegas being up three goals in the in the third period with 10 minutes left, having a major penalty, which was very controversial and having San Jose score four goals to take the lead Vegas tied it and then San Jose won it in overtime so we had three wait one two three game sevens and uh two of them were incredibly you know two of them went to overtime uh so that's always fun so so I, I guess Jay I'll, I'll ask you because I, I talked about pretty much every series out there you know <laughs> what were you thinking about the west you know what were your thoughts on the west in the first round well this is what's weird Pete because I I, I guess I think in the last few years I've seen that like the, the the lion's share of points has been severely east eastern oriented. So when we're talking about, you know, like the parity of the league in the east versus the west, I always thought like I guess feel like in the last few years, like being a top seed in the west doesn't carry as much meaning to me as as it does if you're a top seed in the east or okay. if you're a division winner. So like I felt like when when someone says all you have to do is win and you like all you have to do is get in and you have a chance, I felt like that applied way more to the West than it did the East. But hey, the Jackets, all they had to do was get in, and they just took everything. And they just took down the number one team. So I just submit once again for the for the for the jury, I know nothing. So, <laughs> um, but uh, as I really liked the the Blues winning, that was that was fun. Um, I. To learn that pretty much uh, Line A was suffering a back issue, I think, for the majority of the season, that's, I mean, you know, kind of, I, I always, I like Blake Wheeler, I like Shifley, but I feel like Line A is kind of the 
you know the 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 hum the humbucking engine of of that of that Jets team and if he's not going it's it's really tough for everybody else to get clicking so that you know that that, that was kind of a, an eventuality at that point because if he's playing hurt the entire time and he's not scoring I mean he's I mean for Christ's sake Pete we picked him to be the Rocket Richard yeah way back at the beginning of the year and it's so disappointing but I hope he gets better um, the, the yeah the Dallas Nashville series I mean that was you know I think I think you're you're looking at a at a at a tired Nashville team that maybe isn't you know obviously. Uh, they're 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 still playing. They're still playing hard, and they're still going forward. But like, I guess the difference is like for a team that's like been to the final, you know, they're kind of on that little bit of a down down low where they kind of have to reassess energies and, and priorities and stuff. Not saying that they didn't. It's just we all have to remember that the human body can do so much. To quote to quote the prophet Zap Brannigan, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is spongy. So. You know, in terms of the the freshness of the Dallas team wanting to actually make an impact in the playoffs versus a Nashville team that's been in the playoffs for a while now, you know, it, it, you're right. It's not really surprising to see Dallas kind of use that that upswing to to take them down. Uh, Pete, I wanted us to probably talk about that elephant in the room about that game seven of the of the of the Night Sharks. Um, I was talking with a buddy of mine, and there's obviously a lot of thoughts and feelings about um, the stuff. I'm at the end of the day, I am not opposed to citing the whole "you still let in three goals" aspect. Yes, that's that's very true. They still let in, but in the playoffs with a major in an elimination game, you know, there's it, you, you can't call it a bad call, but then still be like, "Oh, well, the result was going to be assured anyway." I've seen teams get five minute majors and not score one goal at all. Yeah. So. You know the the idea that you know you you still should have defended against it versus you the the that that aspect of that game at that juncture you are physically altering the way it goes. <laughs> I think I think it was Cat Silverman who was like during the regular season oh all these happened but then during the play <laughs> during the playoffs it's a it was a picture of uh, it was a gif of. Um, the Walking Dead guy, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I forget the character he plays, but he's like, but it's him saying rules yeah. matter. <laughs> so like the again, overall, not just for hockey, Pete, as a side, as a quick sidebar. Overall, not just in hockey, across all professional sports, officiating has been really surprisingly questionable slash very bad. <laughs> so I think we're in this like really weird lull of the the gamekeepers kind of either intentionally or buying too much into a system of how a certain thing can be played. Um, I think in that specific situation, I think if we're working towards an idea that should be at least entertained, maybe only in the playoffs allow majors to be reviewable just because we're talking about, or maybe any majors assessed during an elimination game, it should be reviewable. There are cert obviously certain uh, concessions or, or proposals that could be made to maybe try and fix this issue. But, um, you know, if we're talking about chain of events, oh, well, well, if you didn't do this thing, well, then it wouldn't have led to this thing, and then it wouldn't have led to this thing, and then he wouldn't have been hurt. We're talking about the recency bias of how much led to that one incident, right? Because let's say he cross-checks him, but then later in the shift he gets, you know, hurt. Obviously nothing's called, but because of the quick succession of that stuff, and then you don't even look at it, and if you miss it, if all you're looking at is, you know, Pavelski bleeding on the ice, yes, if you're a referee – your head is immediately thinking, 
okay, well, a lot must have had to happen in order to get to that point, uh, get to that point where he's bleeding on the ice, which means the the events that led up to it surely warrant the, mm. the thing I'm about to hand out, which I think that's what people are mostly trying to quell in this thing where it's like you can't have that mentality if you missed it there should be there should be something that could have been done but well i i, I mean I, I think there's precedent for this in a a recent yeah, major yeah. sporting event known as the world cup um now it's not just in the world cup right but in in soccer they have the var system um which and please you know listeners please don't yell at me if I'm a little bit wrong on this because I know I know I remember the general idea I might be wrong on a detail but basically if there is a play that is um you know controversial there I believe that there's there's an extra official who can signal the referee to basically you know like like they are looking at a video feed and they can say okay you're going to want to come look at this even if I'm getting this a little bit wrong it's just it's it's a pretty easy idea to do um, because number one, you have the war room in Toronto is watching all the games and it wouldn't be very difficult if there is, you know, you know, sometimes people are like, oh man, it's going to add, you know, if they did something like this for majors, it would add a huge, um, you know, extra amount of time, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to, like, that's the thing. It doesn't have to, because like, for example, they have the, you know, the offside review where it's like, was there skate off the ice? And, and I can understand why somebody gets upset with that because you know that that does take a long time most of the time but something like this you know you know let's say for the sake of discussion that they had this system in in place right they look over they see they see him bleeding they you know maybe they didn't really see what happened um and it wouldn't take very long for them to either, you know, maybe send a message to Toronto or if they have another official watching in the scorers box with the TV or something like that. And basically, you know, Hey, look, he's lying on the ice. We didn't see it because at the end of the day, I think, and, and, and this is, this is the hard part too, because there's this idea of, do you, do you value getting the call correct or do you value like efficiency you know um you know there's this idea it's like well the game is played by humans it's officiated by humans you can't expect the perfect call every time but at the same time i would argue that if you have the possibility of making the right call without sacrificing a ridiculous amount of time then i think that's something you should always do you know so if you if you kind of you know run through this scenario they they look over they see the guys on the ice they didn't have they didn't really see what happened they go over to the penalty box or the, you know, the scorer's table. They talk to the official in there or they, they talk to Toronto and they say, hey, can you just take a quick look at this? And, you know, is this something we need to look at? And if they did, like, you know, basically if they had access to that replay, they could see what happened. Because, I mean, it was really clear on the replay what happened. He cross-checks them in, like, the chest. And it, it was a pretty violent cross-check. It wasn't like a little love tap. It was a pretty, pretty forceful cross-check. And it seemed like Pavelski probably would have been able to not fall over if the second player hadn't kind of scooped him up and pushed him a little bit. And and, and it was tough because it happened so fast. I'm not even saying that the second player did that on purpose to try to hurt him. But, you know, if you look at it, it's a two-part play. It's not just like he cross-checked him in the head or something like that. And so they would have been able to yeah. see that pretty clearly, and they would have been able to make their call based on that. Um you know, I and again, like if you're going to do something like that, 
you could just limit it to potential major penalties, you know, and or match penalties, which I think like I think it has to be a major to get like a game misconduct. You know, if you're considering throwing a player out of the game, that's a pretty big deal. And taking taking an extra look at it for two minutes, which I think is entirely possible to do. I don't think it's I don't think that's a big deal. I think that that's something that that, you know, think about how often major penalties are called. It doesn't happen that often, you know. Right, right, yeah. So when when you're dealing with a situation like this, it, I think it's best to uh, be open-minded to wanting to find a way to get, like you said, if you have if if there's the chance that you can not sacrifice, you know, gameplay in in the spirit of getting things done. I think that's I think that's worth looking at. Um, Pete, I did learn a little bit of distressing news. I don't know if. Everybody else yeah. knows this. Maybe maybe I am late to the game on this, but uh, the Toronto War Room does not have all of the angles. They often have to wait for what the TV broadcast shows. Oh, interesting. So, funneling that real that revelation into what we were just talking about. My feeling is that if we're talking about efficiency, because what's weird is every time a goal is scored, from my understanding, is that the refs in Toronto are already sort of like looking at it, reviewing it. Like, okay, so that's a goal. Let's just have a ruling in place, or let's try to have a ruling just in case they call. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that's the way it works. If that's not how it works, um, I'm still now very worried about what the hell is happening up north. But... um, my feeling is that in that situation, if Toronto already had all of the cameras ready to look back at something, they could have, you know, because at that point, they're, if Toronto was at the mercy of waiting for the broadcast to show every angle of Pavelski getting hit, and while they're waiting for that, that's when the refs take that time to just arbitrarily just make a call based on the result of seeing Pavelski on the ice right there. Think about the flip of of, of that situation could be if Toronto was already looking at that play and with maybe intervening by, you know, via call or something because they already had the video to look at. So, you know, if we're trying to find maybe a, a middle ground here to, you know, maybe try and fast, fast track a way to fix this problem is let's get the technical efficiency down of making sure that everything can be as within reach of a ref's eyeballs to make that process clear. If we're, if we're mad that stuff is taking time, and now we're finding out that the reason it's taking time is because there's a technological hurdle that they could that they haven't been able to clear yet. I think a lot more people would be maybe a little bit more understanding of the time it takes to make these calls. So, you know, with what happened in, like you said, with what happened in San Jose, take take the two minutes, right? If you like, if all four guys miss it, I just don't understand why that like isn't that should be like, hey, if all four we missed it, congratulations, unanimous vote. We have to call Toronto now, right? Like what? One guy's going to going to stake his officiating uh, uh, rating or uh, uh, or efficiency based on his gut, like just basing it, extrapolating it from the fact that, well, Pavelski's on the ice and he's bleeding. Here's one of the things in my head that would lead to that when all those things are no, no bad hockey things. So we should give out this major. Hmm. Either way, yeah. the result is what it is. We can we we've talked about it. We've we've processed it. We can hope that it gets better moving forward. I did like, you know, I, I think Marcia's comments were 
you know, I don't think they were really over the line at all. I think you can you can quibble about whether or not it should be said publicly or on camera and all that stuff. I I really don't care either way. I think you're talking the 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 great mystery, Pete, and especially because I work in sports. The great mystery is is how we expect these you know the fact that TV people get in the face of these people feeling these visceral sporting emotions. You know, yes, we want the raw attitude and stuff, but then all of a sudden we hold them accountable for how they're reacting. Dude, you're putting a camera in my face after I lost a game seven. Right. Like if you wanted a oh, you, like you want to roll the dice with, you know, a not expletive laden explanation as to how I'm feeling. By all means, go ahead, dude. But it doesn't mean you're going to get it. So I think more Marshall was able to say what he wanted to say. And, and I think it's I think it's lovely conversation. But I think obviously I think the first step, Pete, is technologically putting things in place. Yeah. And then you can talk about rule changes later. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, so what we're going to do is, if you notice, there, there's actually one one uh, uh, series that we didn't get to. Um, I was going to save it for last, and, and there's a lot there to talk about. Um, on the last episode of Wim Radio, uh, JJ Prashanth and me talked about our feelings about the end of the series because it actually ended shortly before we recorded that episode. Um, so if you're wondering what I thought about Toronto and Boston, <laughs> you can listen to that. Uh, but Jay, I just wanted to like, you know, if you want to, if you want to kind of talk about what you thought for a couple minutes before we get to the interview, sure. um, I didn't want to deprive you of that opportunity. No, no, no. And, and I, and I thank you, Pete. Um, uh, to, to quote the, 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 the video game, Grand Theft Auto, uh, San Andreas, Toronto Maple Leafs walking into a game seven with the Boston Bruins. Oh shit. Here we go again. <laughs> so, um, I, I am really, uh, uh, I'm part of me is really hoping the Leafs can get over somewhat of the, of the hump as it were largely, you know, cause I mean, I, I just wonder if it's like, who's going to, you Pete, you'd have to feel like given where everybody's at age wise, that, the Bruins are going to age out before the current core of the Maple Leafs. So I think it's reasonable to assume that the Leafs are going to beat the Bruins in a playoff series soon. Not like not like far away soon, but like closer soon. But um, I, I I think that's – I don't know. The, the, the selfish person in me is glad it went down and is glad it went as far as it did. Maybe – if we're comparing fan bases, maybe I am still laughing that the the, the, the misery of the Toronto fan base continues. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like yeah, super yeah. troopers. Frava, your suspension continues. So now it's like the Leafs, <laughs> yeah. your misery continues. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I the one thing I was surprised about Pete was in the aftermath of that game seven thing. Them talking about uh, maybe uh, evaluating what Babcock's status is, which yeah. laughter and laughter and laughter. Um, that is definitely something yeah. we talked about on the yeah, media. Yeah. So personally, I think it's I think that's very funny that that's obviously of, co- of course Toronto would say something like that right now. But you know he's they are they are a peculiar team trying to find their footing. I I did like uh, Dubas coming out and saying, "Listen, that's my fault. I didn't get you know giving not getting Nylander out there sooner." That that was you know that's that's a cool GM move, right? Like I'm trying to imagine any other GMs going out there going like, "Listen, I didn't do my job well enough to put the best." team out there when it that was such a that was such a lightning rod of criticism for half of the for half of the season it was just like what is happening with Nylander what are we going to do what is he doing so you know it, it is very nice to see at least that amount of uh accountability being shown very quickly after a 
early playoffs exit. But um, I think the things just probably got way too chippy between teams that already hate each other, and the whole the whole cadre business. It's just that's that's not what you want hockey to be. You don't want guys beating the crap out of each other for like with with far more malicious uh, a result that 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 happens now because. Yes, the glory days of guys just wailing on each other, right? But the, since the the speed and severity of the game has changed, those acts aren't without physical and mental consequences anymore. Before, I mean, not like not saying they ever yeah. were, but we're talking about if if guys are just punching each other with the brute of their of their own and hitting each other just with their literal shoulders. Yes, that's going to have a different effect. But you have guys skating faster, wearing more equipment. The 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 variables have changed, so. Uh, I I don't I don't I I, yeah. I wanted I wanted that series to be obviously just the high end skill going on, but I feel like just the overall narrative of just guys being too chippy, you know, because Kaja does that thing, and then the video of Chara, you know, kind of kind of cold cocking Tavares, and he kind of falls yeah. down. It's like yeah, you want you want the memories of a series like that that goes seven to be like either like these overtime goals or these ph- like like phenomenal passing plays. You don't want to look back at a Game 7 series and have the parts where the guys were just, like, just reaming each other as, like, yep, that's what that decided that series. The Leafs lost a player and the, and the Bruins got away with Chiefs or, or whatever like that. You want it, you want it, we obviously all want a uh, skill for skill, weight for weight, pound for pound, head, heads, head against, head to head matchup that's just results from what happens on the score sheet, not physically removing players and not beating the crap out of each other. So that is that is the way that series went and I'm 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 anxious to see that, you know, like whatever change does happen, I, I was tell, already telling Pete, I think if the fallout of an early round exit just gives Eisman that much more time to speak into his is in crystal uh speaking to his crystal ball and then whisper in tongues to Kyle Dubas mm-hmm. to let the Red Wings sign Marner, that would just that would just be so much more fun than <laughs> than what happened. Yeah, so there you go. That, that's those. Those are my thoughts. To quote, to quote former Dave and Chuck the Freak. Those are my thoughts, not yours. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that was a pretty exciting first round, Pete. And um, but yeah, there was one series we didn't talk about, but that's because we talked about it with somebody else, right? Yes, absolutely. And speaking of that, Jay is like Jay's getting an assist on the segue. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a primary point. A primary point. Uh, Without further ado, here is the interview with Allison Lucan. Our guest for this episode is Allison Lucan. She returns. She's a returning champion. Um, actually, the last few episodes we've had had returning guests on. Um, it's, you could say we're in our sweeps uh, <laughs> stage of, of our of our interviews. We're just we're just breaking out all the cameos. Everyone's coming back. It's leading to something. Exactly, because like I said, we, we've had her on before, and we, we we definitely wanted to have her back. And with the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, improbable sweep of the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, we thought that this would be a great opportunity to have that. Uh, so, Allison, thank you so much for, for coming back on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to spring hopefully coming so I can break out my T-shirt again. Yeah, absolutely. And um, let's see, so... We've had sightings of it in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, I think, because Scott Cullen wore it in Mexico and sent us a picture. So if you happen to do any traveling to any other country, you can take a picture and then <laughs> we'll, uh, 
continue going worldwide. Uh, <laughs> all right, so so let's get started with with I guess kind of the most obvious topic, which would be the 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 last series. Um, so I guess maybe like a good way to start off with this, and we can of course branch out into different areas. But you know, obviously, as a beat reporter, you're not like watching as somebody who has uh, like a an interest in the outcome like a fan would. You know, you're you're doing your job, but at the same time. The Blue Jackets winning allows you to continue to do your job. <laughs> so, so, so even though you do, you have different incentives. There's like I imagine there's kind of like certain motivations uh, for different outcomes or whatever. But like, at what points of the series did you start to think I might be covering this team for another round? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I uh, I tend to be um, the realist at times like this, and and particularly as as rightly so, the fan base started to get really excited and you could feel the belief really start to build. I, I don't think I truly believed it until that uh, 5-3 goal went in at the end of uh, the third period of Game 4 um, <laughs> because I could come up with every possible reason that it was going to go um, a different way. But it was, it, it, to your point, it, it's, you know, we don't cheer for the teams, but for, to watch to watch what this group of guys have gone through and to watch what this fan base has gone through. It, it was definitely a moment worth celebrating and worth savoring. I mean, my gosh, it, just this is why we follow sports, right? Is for these kinds of stories. And, and it was really special to see those players and those fans have a moment for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, uh, Allison, one of my favorite pieces of uh art that i found on the internet uh because you know the internet is a place that it's very hard to find pieces of art um <laughs> but uh it's uh, I, and i'll be sure i'll try to send this to you at the end of at the end of our uh, uh interview here but it's a it's basically this little like comic strip illustrating like just the the in, the inherent chaos that is professional sports but also specifically hockey because the, <laughs> literally the comic starts with uh, a hockey team uh, getting celebrated off the ice, and uh, a reporter walks up. Is uh, excuse me, can you explain how you beat the team that, in every single statistical category, was better than you? And the hockey player just responds with, "Our mother chaos rules all." <laughs> and and it and it goes on to describe that, like, you know, the, the beauty of watching sport is that, you know, there are so many times that. Uh, it's it's supposed to go one way due to a certain narrative, and then things just change. Like you basically kind of just get married to the ideas that basically the human mind works best when it can point to things and make a cohesive narrative. Like it's supposed to be able to go from A to B to C equals D, and when that doesn't happen, we don't function. And and sports that does like the most damage to at least you know maybe, maybe not forever mental damage, but like. When we're watching them, we're like, okay, well, that was – we are the good team. They are not the good team, but we just lost. Why did this happen? So it, it's just this really long diatribe to get to the point of the reason why sports doesn't make sense most of the time is because when they finally do make sense, you're able to enjoy it that much more. <laughs> so with the with what the Blue Jackets did, I, I again, I'm, I'm actually very jealous of, of your perspective and, and, and your proximity to – to it happening, I don't, I don't know if we'll see. You know, I, I know there's a lot of people complaining about the parody 
and and I just don't understand it. <laughs> it's like, hey, you, you're you're complaining about what you wanted. So, from from your perspective about how much this didn't make sense, <laughs> how much does how much does it now make sense? Like, how, how, like have you gone back and and looked through? Okay, here's where we, you know, that that was this. A, did you find like any spe- specific turning point or, you know, like like based on where we're at now, how unlikely did you think this was? And then where are you now with it? Well, I mean, obviously we know where you are now with it. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, listen, I, I, it was funny when, when we were standing in the hallway at waiting to go into the locker room after the jacket swept, I put out a tweet because there was one person I had seen publicly pick Columbus and it certainly wasn't in four games. And, And I did it to celebrate the person, but I also did it to see like, oh, I surely missed some people, right? Someone else is going to say, me too, I did, da da da, you forgot me. But like no one thought this was going to happen, including me, <laughs> fully yeah. own it. Um, and, and to your point, you know, I think this is what makes sports fun. And I'm obviously a big numbers person. I believe in the value of those numbers. But I also believe as I think it was Carolyn Wilkie who who cited this a couple of years ago, there's a whole world of things that we just don't measure. Um, she called them unmeasured characteristics. And that doesn't mean they aren't real. And I think that what we saw in this jacket series was we saw a really, really solid strategy, a really good game plan. And what we saw was the belief and execution of that game plan finally come together. And it was a lot of things. It was it was a team saying, we're not going to buy into this whole intimidation. Because listen, I mean, I can't imagine many teams could go up against Tampa Bay this year and say, oh, we're not intimidated by them. They're just another team, right? They were incredible, to your point, by every measure. Um, but I think they they lost the intimidation factor. Sergei Bobrovsky finally got on his game in the postseason. And once they saw that what they were told to do was working, they had that rare window where they executed it to perfection and their opponent couldn't respond. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great story, like you said, because it is chaos, because there was nothing that would tell us that any of those three things was going to happen. That's that's definitely one of the, the harder things about analyzing hockey is the intangibles, you know, because right. I, I mean, I, I do think there is definitely something to be said that um, especially among certain population of people that sometimes those intangibles are counted too much but it would be a mistake to say that they don't matter at all you know they they do matter it's just how do you quantify it and that's obviously a very difficult thing um so obviously you know it's it's tough to to pick like like an act like like one actual turning point and of course we as humans we we like narratives we like stories you know we try to process everything through story and so a lot of the times it's you know kind of looking for that that narrative so do you think it would be too simplistic to say that a big – I don't want to say maybe the turning point, but like, like a really major factor was how they – you know, Columbus goes down 3-0 and, you know, we know John Tortorella – uh, has the you know the locker room speech, and of course, obviously, you know it's it, it, it's nice to say, well, that's how it happens in the movies, and right. you, know, you know the coach like you know has the big speech, and they go out, and you know they you know they 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 win, but at the same time, it did seem to be a pretty big turning point when you look at how they played before and how they played after. So, how much do you think there is to that potential narrative? 
Well, here's here's the trick of that, and and I this the way it was presented on TV lends to the story you're telling. Yeah. But here's the thing: that speech was before the game. Whoa, okay. And they and they came out and with respect laid an egg yeah <laughs> first period so um and, and the team later would say that they they were almost too pumped up in a way huh. um and, and not necessarily saying it was the speech's fault they were saying the speech really got to them but they still weren't keyed in to their game i i think i think the speech mattered i think it helped um because it if you listen to what some of the players said about it after like Matt Duchesne said, a, a narrative that doesn't get out about John Tortorella as much as all the other stuff is mm. that players know he's really in it with them and he really wants them to win just as much as they do. And I think that's something the players saw. And then I think they, they weather that storm, that 3 nothing storm, and here's what happens both like factually and then the, the intangible side. Sergei Bobrovsky makes a huge save on Kucherov less than a minute in to the second. Huge save. And this is a goaltender who everyone knows has struggled in the postseason. And so I think to see him step up, that team could finally exhale a bit. No one would ever admit this, but were they playing tight because they worried that Bob wouldn't show up in the playoffs? So I think that matters both strategically, factually, and then meaningfully to the team. And then the first Columbus goal comes off the stick of Nick Foligno, who is their captain, Hmm. who's not one of their big names, who is the guy who's always in the room, not the only one, but he's the one saying things, right? He's the word guy. He's the speech guy. He's the quote-unquote leader. And so for him to back up anything he might have been saying to his group with action and not be a Cam Atkinson, not be an Artemi Panarin, not be a Matt Duchesne, and to solve Andre Vasilevsky, who they couldn't score against in the regular season, again, I think tactically it mattered because, hey, it got them on the board. But again, in terms of the intangibles, it again broke down some of those maybe mental barriers that they were having. And after that, they could just play. Yeah, I think it's it's always interesting. You know, like we talked about, you know, with narratives, obviously there's, you know, the story of the the captain, you know, uh, you know, just just you don't have to look any further than in Washington. You know, for previous years, it's like, oh, Ovechkin, you know, he's all about himself. He chokes in the playoffs, Backstrom, et cetera. You know, and there's other teams where it's like, oh, you know, they're never going to win a cup with this guy as as their captain. Um, And so, yeah, you know, like you said, with with Nick Foligno, it's really, really great to see, you know, not only obviously off ice leadership and, you know, on the bench, et cetera, but then producing, you know, that's obviously lifts their spirits. Um, It's like. Uh, it, when you were talking, it made me think of the video uh, from the Hurricanes locker room. Right, uh, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, like, 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 honestly, like that made me cry. Like Justin yeah. Williams comes in and just like has no words. Like, and you could tell how much they wanted that for him. You know, of course right. for themselves, but you know, like they really wanted that for him. And you could just, you could just tell. And yeah. and I, I do think that 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 does make a difference. I think that's obviously, you know, like there's a reason they talk about it, and I think it is important. Totally. And, and this is this is the beauty of small, small, small sample sizes, right, is that it really removes any predictive value mm. <laughs> all the heck, which which is what makes these these series frustrating and fun, because I don't know that you can sustain so, like with all due respect. I don't know that after every single game that Carolina Hurricanes team is going to rally around Justin Williams. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like but but they can for one and yeah. or they can for two or three and then the next series it's another guy and so i i 
I know that, you know, people who know how I write and what I usually talk about are like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> but I think, again, that the math doesn't work as well in these really small series and other stuff can matter just mm -hmm. as much. Is this the type of situation? What's, I guess, in terms of devil's advocate uh, thoughts moving forward, how obviously this boosts your positivity and 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 players' ego to where you're like, listen, we just knocked off the number one team. Um, do you is is it? Would do you think it'd be fair to say that Tortorella is maybe at this point still very mad <laughs> and, and telling the team like, we have not done anything yet? Because <laughs> there's there was some there's this quality about I don't know I I really liked watching that video of Torrell in there and then you know obviously the fun narrative of you know hey the only team that can beat the that could have beat that Lightning team was the you know the last time the Lightning were that good was with Torrell I mean right. per se right. right so like of course like he's got all the keys but you know it was really cool to 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 find out about the, I think it was, um, I forget if it was the Cavalier or, or Brad Richards, but he they were talking about the 04 final and, like, how very visualistic in his words Tortorella was. Like, no, we're doing this, and then we're doing this. Like, he was, I, again, if, there, if, if we're looking at, like, Torts 2.0 or 5.0, or I, I, forget, <laughs> I forget what patch we're on <laughs> with him, but, um, like, in terms of him being able to balance you know the you know the obviously the the amount of severity and lengths he can go to, to to get his point across but like watching him do that video is just like we are not taking a step back obviously expletive deleted expletive deleted expletive <laughs> deleted but you know do you think this team is in a in a good place to take this and and learn from it or is, i mean is there any worry that they think that they've like they can let up a little bit right now or is do you think even more so now it's like okay now that we've now that we've done this thing, there's going to be more people that are going to be ready to jump on us. Right. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that, you know, what's interesting, too, is that um, players, even I think LeCavier said it and some of the guys on this team now have said it, too. The torts in that video isn't something they see a lot, um, you know, and, and a lot of good leaders do that. Right. They vary their presentation and they only bring out the big guns every so often. Um but to, to answer the bigger question, I think what Torts is most worried about, um, and rightly so, as we saw in Game 1 versus Boston, was just how long this team was off. Um, and I think that, it, it, for me personally, while of course it would have been great for the Jackets if they had been able to win Game 1, I don't know that I expected them to, just given, I mean, eight days off is a lifetime. I mean, even... Even us in the media, we were like, really? Like, it felt like training camp again. It's like, mm -hmm. when are we going to get to something here? Mm -hmm. um, so I think he was most worried about that, and he said that. And so I think what's going to matter now, to your point, is that Boston is a completely different animal. And what got the Jackets through against Tampa was a 100% full commitment to the game plan. And I didn't see that in game one against Boston, but again, I think that could be a multitude of things. Game two is going to tell me how much what happened in round one, be it the rest, be it the overconfidence, to your point, um, how much that affected them because they are going to have to play as close to a perfect game as possible 
to win the second round series because the Bruins aren't afraid of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, (laughs) they don't care that the Columbus Blue Jackets beat Tampa Bay Lightning. They know they're a different team, and it is. It's a completely different opponent. So game two is going to tell me um, who this Jackets team really is as far as taking that next step. Yeah, um, you know, speaking of the difference between this series and the last series, um, you know, I... During the the Tampa Bay series, you wrote an article for the Athletic about the uh, the forechecking of yes. the yeah, and I mean it was it was uh, you know very well regarded on Twitter for for very good reason. It was it was a very excellent article. <laughs> so um, I guess I, I have a couple different ways to go with this, but like seeing how even even though obviously Tampa is a incredibly talented team, very fast, very skilled. Um, you know, like you said, Boston is a completely different team. So how do you think that they're going to have to adjust, uh, you know, their forechecking scheme that works so well against Tampa to play against this, this Boston team? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And it's, you know, I, I've been thinking about this going into game one and still after game one, you know, I think they may have to sample the, the key, the key to beating Boston is not going to be their forecheck like it was against Tampa Bay. But, you know, for for Boston, they have to be physical but not overly physical and perhaps take some of the cards from Toronto's game that worked, which is apply a little bit more skill up and down the lineup. Um, Boston, I mean, all their scoring in game one came from their bottom six, which is curious. You know, that's not a great thing if you're the Jackets. Um, But... The Jackets are deeper or more balanced, I should maybe say, offensively when they're going. So I think that they need to be disciplined on the forecheck, but they're they're a low-event team. They don't shoot a ton. This is the Jackets. They are relying quite a bit on shooting percentage this season and even in the playoffs. And so I think that they need to rediscover the offensive side of their game. They had to be fully defensive against Tampa, but I think they need to be a little more balanced between both ends of the ice to beat a team like Boston. And, and quite frankly, not to get, not to let Boston get into their heads. I mean, we've had one game and we've already got people chirping each other about how many times a player hits when they played for Boston versus Columbus. <laughs> and we've got Brad Marchand chirping Cam Atkinson about breaking his stick. I mean, it's like, like it's literally been not even a hundred minutes of hockey. And we're, this is where we are. This is what we're discussing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So as that game one went on uh, last night, did you, did you see the blue jackets making adjustments? Uh, Cause like you said, you know, they obviously they were off for a while, so it's not surprising that Boston, you know, really took it to them, but you know, they were able to tie the game and, and get it to overtime. So was was there anything you noticed that they did differently as the game went on to, to adapt? Well, they didn't do much. They actually just started to get back to playing. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, the first period was, I mean, and, and again, these these are incredible athletes. I'm certainly not saying who are in the second round of the playoffs, but um, the first period was not their best. Sergei Bobrovsky really kept them in that game, um, and they finally just started to find their game. I did feel like we maybe saw some crumbs of the fact that they had the rest because they looked a little more fresh um, down the stretch. I saw some wrinkles in their forecheck, but I'm not willing to say that that was an actual change yet because, you know, you can get pulled out of position. And again, sometimes these guys didn't look like they were as sharp in their decision making. That was something John Tortorella said as well. Um, So I didn't see any adjustments yet. Again, I'm probably going to watch 
game two for that more closely because I like I said I just I expected and in my opinion it turned out to be kind of a slugfest <laughs> in game one as far as what the Jackets were doing. Allison, circling back to what you were saying about you know uh, rallying behind certain players and whatnot, do, does this Jackets team is this a team that has like you know a, a, a starting cast and then and then a support thing, or is this kind of a like a rotation of like hey, depending upon who their opponent, what like who should I be looking for in this series? Like, is it do you think it's going to be the same guys that are going to like make those like key moment plays, or is it? You know, kind of just uh, hey, the the blackets are uh, the blue jackets are very solid in in multiple areas, and then depending upon what Boston you know starts or counters with, you know, like because the way Duchesne was playing and the way Panarin was playing, I mean, it's it's obvious you want to look to those guys, but is there anybody else I should be like keeping an eye on that maybe didn't have as much of a role against Tampa that like oh now that they're playing. Boston, like maybe they'll have more use. Yeah, and I love blackets, by the way. I think we should go with that exclusively. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I, it, it, and some people have written about this, and I think that it's a player that is is hopefully going to be getting a lot more attention around the league. Um, the deeper the jackets can go, and and in future seasons, Josh Anderson is a real factor. This is a big, big, big guy. Um, some people have drawn a comparison to Tom Wilson. Um, he's a Tom Wilson without the dirty play, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you want my opinion on it. Um, but this is a big guy who they don't make players like this much anymore. He's he's huge, but he is fast and he is intimidating and he is not afraid to play physical. And uh, Todd Richards actually said in an article on The Athletic yesterday that it, Josh Anderson really got into into the game plan of Tampa Bay. And there, there was a, a series there in game three where there's kind of a scuffle and you can see the, the jawing back and forth and Josh is just laughing at them. Um, and, and that's all gamesmanship, of course, but I think it's representative of what his role was in that series. And I think that makes him even more essential against Boston, which is an even more physical team um, because of how he plays. But he's a talented, talented guy um, who I think is going to become a more common name in the series. I'm also curious to see how the defense stacks up. We didn't really talk about them as much in Tampa Bay or against Tampa Bay, but you know, you've know you got some real talent there with Jones and Wierenski, but any little mistake is getting exposed um, by either of them, and unfortunately that's how the game-winning goal came last night. It was just a, a split second of, of mental relaxation by Wierenski, and, and, and the goal was scored around him. Um, so the defensemen we should definitely watch, particularly because they're thin um, down down the bottom six. The bottom three are kind of filling in with three, um, usually uh, playing defensemen out with injury. Um, and the last guy that that might that might be kind of a pivotal player outside the usual suspects is Oliver Bjorkstrand, who is a goal scorer. He has one of the most incredible releases in the league. Um, a lot of players will say that, not just me. <laughs> Um, but he had um, two goals and two assists against Tampa and was hot down the stretch regular season. And I think that came in part because of his effort, but also because he went onto that top line with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Artemi Panarin. And he's the guy that they need to keep scoring goals um, to, to, to make any kind of noise whatsoever. It, it, without him or if they put Cam Atkinson back in that spot, without someone on that top line being a scoring threat – um, they really get neutralized. For me, I, I don't get to watch, uh, you know, other teams throughout the league as much as I'd like to. So um, 
you know, as somebody who I wasn't able to watch uh, too much of the game last night, but I'm hoping to see more of the series. So that's definitely going to be helpful, uh, you know, information for me and for our listeners who are uh, maybe not as familiar with Columbus as as they'd want to be uh, watching this series. So in, in just a minute, uh, I have put together a, a game to close this out. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, because like, like we started doing this a lot when we started the podcast, and then we kind of got away from it. And uh, I I did one for Jay and Max Boltman uh, the last time he was on, and and that was a lot of fun. So I have I have a good one coming up. But first, I have one one quick question because like I'm always interested in this. Last time when we had Max on, we were talking about you know some of the kind of behind the scenes as a beat writer, um, you know, because it's we we don't see a lot of the stuff that goes on you know every now and then we'll see you know maybe in the post game show they'll you know you'll see the player talking and you can kind of see the hand with the mic or something <laughs> like that you know but you know we don't really get to see a lot of what happens and i'm always interested because you know obviously i i write about hockey but it's from a completely different perspective i'm not in the locker room talking to players etc so one thing i was curious about now this is going to be a specific thing because um you know, obviously, I think we talked about last time we talked to you is, you know, John Tortorella has definitely mellowed a lot uh, <laughs> from the the time where him and uh, Brooks could probably not be in the same room together. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously there was the uh, trying to get into the other locker room incident. But, you know, I mean, like he definitely has been a lot better about that stuff in, in the recent past. Um and so I thought that one thing I thought was really funny slash interesting was uh, when he he answered the phone during the press <laughs> yes. conference. Yeah, uh, be, be, because because you know like that was that was fun and kind of more lighthearted. Uh, and so you know obviously it's outside of the norm, but it seemed like that was something that you know most people could say, hey, that's that's pretty funny. So the question I have is, do you have some type of a checklist that you as a beat writer? go through when you're about to talk to John Tortorella so that you don't end up in a viral clip? Ah, that is such a good question. That's really, really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I have a check? Well, I mean, my checklist, there probably are a lot of elements to it, but I think the biggest checklist is be prepared. Mm -hmm. Um, If you, one of the things I actually respect about him as, as a Q and a, first of all, you're never going to get a bad quote from the man. I mean, yeah. you can you can be ready to write a story and then spend five to seven minutes with him in a scrum, and you're like, I could write 18 stories right now. <laughs> um, and I'll take that any day over, you know, we have to play a full 60 and roll yeah. four lines. I mean, and, and with all due respect to those coaches, but, I mean, he's fascinating to cover. Um, and I think the thing that you see with him is that he doesn't suffer fools. Um, and there's part of me that can respect that because, you know, when particularly for a team like Columbus that isn't on the national radar just yet because they haven't earned that just yet. There was a series of games and weeks a couple years ago when the Jackets went on a winning streak when I'm not joking, every single day someone new would come in and say, tell me about Cam Atkinson. And it was like, <laughs> come on. like yeah. So, you know, I, I just – I feel like if you're going to ask about something, literally, I beg of you, please do one Google search before you ask your question. Just do one. Just one. You can do more, but just do one. Um, And I think that that you need to be prepared to have a conversation with him, not just ask a question and expect him to do all the work. That doesn't mean Mm -hmm. he's going to have a conversation, but you need to go in understanding what the point is you want to explore with him 
so that if he does or doesn't answer you, you can kind of follow up intelligently. And you also have to have a read on the guy, which I think is true of most coaches. I mean, there are certain things that I think those of us who've been around know um, not to ask in certain contexts and to, to not ask a certain way. And um, sometimes you know that if you're going to ask the first question, you're just always going to get shot down because that's just how he is. But hmm. um, yeah, I think my checklist is be prepared. And, and honestly, I think if you're prepared in kind of the ways I just talked about, quite frankly, your story is going to be that much better because the worst part is having one question, getting one answer, and then you're writing or transcribing and going, shoot, I wish I had followed up with this, Mm. or I wish I had asked this as well. And if you're really prepared, you'll be able to get everything that you hope you need in one fell swoop. Yeah. I I remember growing up watching, uh, sometimes you would watch the, you know, intermission uh, interviews where, you know, they grab the player coming off the ice and, it was always like you could always count on it being some variation of like walk us through that goal or right, like right and it was right. like I mean like it's like what do you expect them to say it's like well I got the puck and I thought that I'd shoot where he wasn't and that ended up being a good decision because the puck went in you know it's like it's right. like, like 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 what what are you expecting to get out of you know I mean like because for me you know that could just be a very you know you could ask that question but make it specific you know ask about a specific aspect of the goal you know maybe like it looked like you were able to to you know to shoot through a screen you know how you know you know like you know some variation of that but it's just always yeah like talk about or walk me through like it's just always talk about shoot me yeah (laughs) <laughs> Peter, all right Peter, yeah just just let's yeah. do a, just a tiny bit of role play here i think i want to oh, do no. a little bit of wish oh, fulfillment for you uh, oh, uh, ask ask me how what I, how that goal ask me to talk about that goal just <laughs> just, just ask me the question right now it's, yeah so uh so you scored a pretty big goal uh goal there can you uh, can you tell us about that you know when i woke up this morning Pete, <laughs> i was think I, I was thinking that uh, that Vassy really 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 favors his his glove side really favors that and um you know going through warm-ups today you know i'm standing there at at, uh, at the blue line i'm looking across the way and i'm kind of kind of staring him down and um i'm just willing willing this thought trying to telepathically tell him you are not going to be good tonight, and um, and I, I just uh, I was I was shooting I was I was always aiming just a little bit above the catcher because I wasn't going to go for his weak side. I wanted him to know that his unbeatable side could be beat. So um, I just I just tried to keep aiming for the crossbar, and uh, you know it just uh, you know I I got to give a I got to give it up to to uh, to Rowenski for for giving me that sh- that that slot to be able to tuck it right right in there because he just for a split second. Uh, Got right for Alaska. So yeah, to, to your point, yeah, I, I was I was thinking about it since this morning. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all the time we have. Uh, let's throw <laughs> throw it back up to you, JD. <laughs> all right. So um, we're going to close with like I like I uh, said slash threatened slash promise uh, a very quick game. It's game time. And and as Jay knows, I typically the inspiration for my my games just come from some type of variation of blank or blank. Uh, my my favorite still continues to be when we had Wolfram Ott on and we played a game Wolf or Not, uh, where he had to say if it was a Dick Wolf character, like a character from a Dick Wolf show, like Law and Order, or if it was uh, a college a female college hockey player. Oh boy. It was pretty tough. Uh, all right. Tough. 
So this one is called Torts or Schwartz. And oh, no. <laughs> now I, I was thinking, like, I, I actually went into Rhyme Zone and I typed in Torts and I was like, okay, what, what rhymes with Torts? Because originally I thought Jorts. And I was like, <laughs> I have no idea how I can make that into a game. So um, I thought about it and I was like, huh. Let me look up some Arnold Schwarzenegger quotes. Oh no! And oh, there are there are enough to make this game. So <laughs> now, like I said, Allison, you are definitely going to have an advantage because I I will be clear. I have no idea where like when these quotes were said. Uh, it could have been one that you were standing there for. It could have been ten years ago. I have no idea. Um, but then the Schwarzenegger quotes they are they are not lines from from movies. They are actually like quotes that he said as himself. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so this is terrible. Okay. Yeah. We're in for it. We are. Okay. Now here we go. Okay. All right. So um Jay, I think against Max, I think you got to go first, right? Correct. Which means okay. I think we should defer to our guest today. Yes. Okay. Here we go. So all you have to do is just tell me if it's John Tortorella or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. There are no stakes here, it's just for fun. <laughs> um <laughs> That's the that's... quote? No, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Actually, that would be fun. <laughs> you imagine, okay. imagine Torts saying that well, with an angry tone. <laughs> yeah. This is, this, there are no stakes. No. This is just for fun. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, have you ever been in a fight before? That's the quote. From, from John Tortorella? Or no, you're you're saying that is the quote. Oh yeah, that is the actual quote. Have you ever yeah. been in a fight before? Schwartz. That is John Tortorella. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I could give you context for these, but unfortunately, uh, yeah. it, it was it was hard enough. It was hard enough to find enough John Tortorella quotes that didn't have like team or player in them. You know that was that was the tough part. Okay. Um, all right, here we go. You ready, Jay? Uh, everyone says you should be a good loser. If you're a good loser, you're a loser. That's got that's that's towards all the way. That's towards. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's easy. I already object. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, here we go. What is the point of being on this earth if you are going to be like everyone else? Uh, Schwartz. That is correct. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. All right, Jay. Here we go. Remember, good is the enemy of great. We need to say the great is the enemy of excellent. That sounds Schwarzenegger-like. It does, but it's that wrong. Is but it's, that is yeah. <laughs> See, uh, now, uh, now, 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 Allison, were you there for that one? Or you well, just know that? Well, he said it a couple times, but it, so I could have been. I don't know which exact yeah. date that was, but that has been a recent refrain of his, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. All right, here we go. So, uh, Allison. I welcome and seek your ideas, but do not bring me small ideas. Bring me big ideas to match our future. Sports. Yep. <laughs> I figured like it, like it sounds enough like it might be, but yeah. Like I said, the hardest part of this game was finding enough quotes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, here we go. All right, Jay. The difference between those who adapted and those who didn't was a willingness to t- willingness to totally commit. That's towards. That is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was a good trick one, right? I would have guessed uh, Torts also on that. Wow. Uh, All right, so we got two more. Uh, right now, Allison is up two to one, so woo-hoo. we still have a chance. Yes. All right, here we go. Allison, the worst thing I can be is the same as everyone, everybody else. I hate that. 
Schwartz. That is correct. Uh, it was close, though. That was okay. Let's see. Well, Torch um, doesn't talk about himself. He doesn't oh, really talk. So that was big tell on that one. Damn it. Okay. All right. Um, one, two. Okay. Because I, I I got more than ten quotes. I'm trying to figure out which ones are the best ones. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. Jay. It was cheap. There's no honor in it. Um. That's got to be towards. It is. Yeah. Woo. Yes. Okay. I, I'm trying to remember the last time Schwarzenegger said the word honor, like, <laughs> not, like either either ironically or it that actually, yeah. like I'm trying to f- imagine him saying, does he say like Anna? Yeah. Anna. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I should have said that some of these could have been from movies because that would have made it harder. I think. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the last one, Hasta la Vista, baby. No. <laughs> You're like, no, actually, Tortorella did say it on April fourth, nineteen. No. <laughs> okay, here we go. So last one for each. Um, Allison, here we go. Positive thinking can be contagious. Being surrounded by winners helps you develop into a winner. Torts. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. You see, he had, he had a lot of motivational quotes. Um, well, he's Mr. Universe. He has to inspire the universe. Well, so. he was, yeah. was he the governor, the mayor. What was he? Yeah, he's the governor of California. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jay, here we go. So if you get this right, you're going to tie. Here we go. Get it wrong, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> now, just in case, Jay, like, I, I, I mean, I, we're, we're on Skype, so I can see you. I know you're not, like, sitting down writing. Uh, <laughs> there are not necessarily an even number of each one. So, like, you can't do process of elimination if you've been keeping track. All right, here we go. Here we go. Now, this one I actually do have context for. All right, here we go. You can't give him context. No, 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 after. Okay, okay. I, I, yeah, after, after he guesses. It's like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> Pete is the... the you are the most huh? unscrupulous game master I've ever I've ever met. <laughs> Why? No, I, if you if you were going to give a context right then, but oh I, no no I, no, you clarified you're fine now. But I was like, yeah. wait a minute, Pete's Pete's not only playing a game that one person is demonstrably having a better advantage at, but then and but then you'll also handicap that person by giving me context on the last question to maybe yeah. end up in a tie. Right, you are. You would have been a piece of work, but either way, yes. I'm delaying you from saying the final thing. Yeah, so the, the gaming commission is going to have a problem with this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Last one, Jay. He needs to do something about the skinny legs. I'm going to make him do some squats, and then we're going to make him to do some bicep curls to beef up those scrawny little arms. Oh, my God. That's hard. <laughs> Its obviousness is insisting on itself. I am going. I am going with Schwarzenegger. I thought you were going to overthink yourself, like you always do. It, it, it is, and actually, the funny part is, he was saying that about Barack Obama. Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was tongue in cheek. Uh, yeah, because I was thinking, you never know. Like, like uh, that might have been about Brooksy. Uh, <laughs> I get. I guess I guess that is what I'm saying, Brooks. Oh my god! All right, so yeah, look at that—we got a tie! Hooray! Wow, it's uh, it's almost like this game is uh, taking place during the regular season when it should have just gone to OT. Unbelievable! Oh. Hey, you probably would've, he would have said one more for each of us, and you would have gotten it because that's just that's just how that's just how close you are to the situation. You, you would have you would have heard it you would have figured it out and i would have been left in the dust so 
All right, so we're we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there. Um, thank you so much again, Allison, uh, for coming on the show. Uh, the uh, I don't want to forget. Uh, you can find Allison on Twitter. Um, oh my God, I had it up before. At Allison L. There you go. I, I couldn't remember if it was Allison L or A Lucan. I knew it was one of oh, those. Oh no two. worries. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So at Allison L, uh, and you can read her writing on the Athletic. Uh, and yeah, so it's, it's interesting because I don't really have. I'm not really pulling for one team. Like just as a regular fan in that series, so I am definitely rooting for Columbus because I want to read more of your writing. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> oh, very nice plug, Pete. It's Way true. to go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So again, uh, you know, in- enjoy the rest of the series, and thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's always fun. This was a blast. Thank you once again to Allison for coming on our lovely program. Um, Pete, uh, because it's obviously very topical, uh, the the uh, the hockey gods have snapped their fears, and now half the teams are gone, which means uh, there are uh, now just four matchups left. And, and because we know our fan base is just just itching to, to hear what we have to think about the uh, next steps in these uh, – playoffs we we you and i obviously decided that we should actually just do that so um <laughs> we're, we're 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 gonna go over the uh the second round matchups here just give our thoughts here uh, obviously at the time of this recording some results have already been uh made uh in terms of um series leads because yep. uh the last night was um the uh jackets and uh sorry the jackets and bruins and uh the um Dallas you know, and St. Louis. Two, the Dallas and St. Louis. So, uh, Blues lead that uh, series against the Stars 1-0, Pete. Um, I'm starting to get the feeling that maybe these Blues aren't uh, aren't messing around. But <laughs> <laughs> this is where you can uh, – for those listening, this is the part where Pete is trying to figure out whether or not this is the best place to drop the uh, uh, <laughs> the 1996 overtime audio of <laughs> – Gretzky had it, lost it. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving, blue line chance, score! Steve Sending every Blues fan into a just a blood-curdling rage, so. It's funny, I was thinking more like the Elton John. Oh. <laughs> and I guess that's why they call it the Blues. So as we record this, uh, we're recording this uh, Friday mid-afternoon. Uh, so there are games tonight, but they have not they have not been played yet. Uh, so by the time you listen to this, you will have more information than we do right now. Uh, so right now we have uh, Cl- uh, Columbus and Boston. So Boston won game one. And um, the other one, like we said before, is St. Louis has uh, beaten Dallas in game one. So the, uh, both those teams have taken a, uh, a one game lead. So tonight is going to be Carolina, New York, and then San Jose and Colorado. All right. So let's start. Um, you know, I, I kind of think that since we're both in the East, you know, we both live in the Eastern half of the United States and, you know, the, the team that we root for is in the East, et cetera. Um, a lot of times I kind of focus probably more than we should just on the East. And so we don't want to give the West short shrift. So let's uh, start out in the West. All right. So. Let's start with the Colorado San Jose series. So, Jay, what do you what do you think is going to happen there? Honestly, I think Colorado is going to win that one. I I, I I think for as much confidence Martin Jones has has been able to to get 
um, surviving the onslaught that is the <laughs> the fully armed and operational Vegas Battle Station. Um, I, I I just because Pete that the universe likes to torture us. Of course, now would be a time when the, the avalanche are going to try and be good again. <laughs> I think I think I think Grubauer is coming into his own very nicely. And then I think what we're looking at, Pete, is a potential uh, Blue Jackets Avalanche uh, comp, uh, uh, Cup final in which all the narratives, you know, <laughs> did Duchesne against the team that traded him away, or he wanted to be a trade away, or whatever it was. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so that I mean, but I think uh, I don't know. Uh, have have we figured out what um, is there a timeline on Pavelski? Because he's kind of a big um, part of them getting to that point so yeah I, I i don't think he, like he hasn't been ruled out you know let's say for the the playoffs or for the series but i it, it doesn't seem like he's going to come back right. right away i think like i do think they're saying he will likely be back sooner than you might think from watching him lay on the ice with his head bleeding which is a completely different topic um but from what i've heard he should be back in the near future Although I don't think he's likely for game one, from what yeah. I've been hearing, I yeah. could be wrong. So they'll obviously want to put his best of their brother because he was, you know, a, a good chunk of why they were, why they are where they are. So, yeah. um, but I just, dude, McKinnon, I, I just like he's just again. So once again, dig into my quote book here, uh, Jack Black, high fidelity. It's just re- he's just really. It's just really effing good. <laughs> so, I I think it's hard because if you took if you took the Colorado out of the Colorado team, I oh, would yeah, find yeah, it very yeah. easy. Oh, to absolutely! Root like like they're a, they're a very fun team. It's just you know the the Colorado part of it makes it really hard for me to want them to win. Uh, in the other half of the Western bracket, we have Dallas against St. Louis. Like we said, St. Louis is up one game to zero. Um, I'll take this one first. I. This is hard. I think this is kind of a coin flip. Um, so I'm going to go with what I did with my second chance bracket is I just went alphabetical. So I'm going to go with Dallas. Oh, okay. Yeah, I made all my picks based on alphabetical <laughs> order. How's that working out for you? And I bet you I will do better. I Well, I, this is only oh. the second chance <laughs> bracket. So, um, yeah, so I, I have feeling like, well, if I had done alphabetical order for the first round, I would have done better than my you know, really thinking about it and really analyzing it. So I'm just going to save some time and just go alphabetical order. It was either that or like coin flips. That was the other thing I was, I was just very quickly for that. We we're going to remark. How funny is it that the league was like, like nobody thought of, like, they cared so much about the fact that none of the division winners won that they made a second bracket challenge. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they couldn't live with everybody's brackets being busted. They just gave everybody a do-over. Yeah, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, I, I I know it's the first time that it's happened in the NHL, but I don't remember that happening like ever. Like I, I'm sure I'm sure somebody's going to be like, oh, no, it happened in 2014 and blah, blah, blah. But like it, it's it's a if, – if it has ever happened before, it's a very rare occurrence. Yeah, yeah. So um, just for them to yeah. have – like as a mar- as a marketing ploy to continue – like you don't see the NCAA giving people a freaking redo on their brasses every time a one seat is upset, yeah. right? So in this case, I was like, this is yeah. a – okay, bold move, NHL. An interesting move. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm sure – 
I'm sure the Tampa Bay Lightning would love a second chance <laughs> to still play, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. Um, there's this weird thing that happens where when I start caring about teams, they start to go very bad. Um, <laughs> uh, other teams, not not my team. So just just reverse jinx it. Just I'm just reverse jinxing it. So I'll I'll say out loud that I'm that I'm that I'm rooting for the for the stars, but. Gosh, I just I have uh, very re- recently I uh, um, the the uh, buddy of mine uh, two buddies of mine who are in St. Louis they were tweeting about remarking on the Eiserman acquisition, um, probably the biggest offseason acquisition the Red Wings have made in probably like ten years by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, they were saying he was saying how like I I, I legitimately I, I am saying this as a St. Louis he was as a St. Louis and I want the Red Wing powerhouses again and. And and I was and and I was like, well, you know, that's actually great. And you know what's really excited too is we are good again. The possibility of us playing each other now rests solely on a cup final. It's not just it wouldn't be for the conference. Then I attached a gif of Steve Eisman scoring <laughs> uh, a, a, a particular goal, and he replied with, <laughs> "Yeah, that footage makes me bleep my eyes every time I see it." And I said, hey, uh, wouldn't it be neat if we did a 30 for 30 because me and my buddy Joe, we're big Detroit fans, and then you and uh, my buddy uh, buddy Kurt, you know, you guys are St. Louis fans. We should do a 30-30, like Steve Eisenman scores this goal. And then very quickly, my buddy Kurt's like, oh, so then we can also talk about the 2006 World Series? This is, all right, fine, good one. God, why'd you have to bring that up? Uh, so, yeah, so, yeah the, that I, I'm rooting for St. Louis, uh, the Bowles, just because – Aren't they the long, are they aren't they the longest drought right now? Out of out of who's left, aren't they the I, I know there's a couple of teams that have never won it. Right, right. Okay. So there there's the never won it's and then there's yeah. the longest never won yeah. it's. So yeah. they've they've and there's theirs is the theirs is a, a, a drought I would love to see mm-hmm. concluded. Not like the city of Saint Louis really needs to worry about right. sports because <laughs> you know the the friggin' Cardinals are always the there's there's much to be much to be celebrated for for that team, but <laughs> the Blues would just be a lot of fun. I think I really, I I, I really like Tarasenko. I think that'd be a lot of fun for him. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's 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 cool. that's my West thoughts. Shifting gears over to the East, we have the matchup that we talked about with Allison Lucan, Columbus against Boston. Now this is this is an interesting one uh, because I do not want Boston to win. But at the same time, if I were picking, I would have to pick Boston based on um, – because Columbus, yes, they beat Tampa Bay. And obviously, they are going to be a very hard out. They are not going to be uh, you know, a team that's going to be easy for Boston to get by. But I do think that just coming into the playoffs, I do think that Boston – it was positioned like they are, you know, they, they just beat Toronto, who obviously is a, is a very good team. And it took them seven games, right? But they pretty much dominated game seven. Um, and Boston looked really good in game one. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily mean anything because uh, it's only game one. Like like we talked about with Allison, uh, Columbus had been off for eight, eight days. So that's obviously pretty tough. But I'm going to go with Boston here. Um, although... Just like with everything else, I will not be surprised if Columbus does end up pulling this one out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm veering the same, but I'm still kind of hoping that this is, um, I, I think it's like, yeah, it makes sense that Boston's going to win, 
Maybe that's why Columbus won the last round because you know it made sense that that Tampa was supposed to win. So um, at the end of the day, let's just let me just put it all on the line uh, right now here, Pete. I want a Blue Jackets Blues finals just so we can call it the Blue Blue Cup final because <laughs> uh, the T-shirt design I have in my head is is, is very is is very exciting and and I'm not going to reveal it here. Uh, unless it has, so just just know that the, the blue blue cup final would be very much so what I want. But um, yeah, I just you know what's weird is Pete um, uh, David Pasternak. Um, I get the feeling he's been kind of quiet, right? Okay. Like not really, not really doing too much. So I get the feeling that based on this chance now, you know, you're past you're past your annual you know like checkup against <laughs> Toronto. It's like. Like, if you beat Toronto, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, we're good, we're good. But if you don't beat Toronto, they're like, oh, geez, uh, maybe we have to, like, maybe we have to get you some, some, like, you know, we'll we'll put you on some new vitamins. We'll get you on a new regimen. You'll have to come back. So after their yearly tune-up against, you know, uh, the the, the Maple Leafs, you know, this is where probably they can start to relax and maybe finesse a little bit more. Just, I'm, I'm, I get the feeling that uh, Pasternak is, uh, is Pompeii. Okay. uh, Ready to explode. And, um. I think that's I think that's probably the thing that the Blue Jackets were are maybe the most worried about. But I don't know I'm I'm annoyed with Tuukka Rask. He just like he goes from like being very bad to being just so very good. <laughs> so um, that's that's kind of annoying. But um, I was gonna say yeah. I think that um, I think that Pasternak might be ready to explode because of all of those Dunkin' Donuts drinks that he's been oh, drinking every time he goes to penalty yes. box. Oh yes. The last series that we have to talk about is Carolina and New York. So this is a series I was really hoping for this to happen, uh, but then I was also hoping at the top of the bracket that, that Toronto would, would make it to the Eastern Conference Finals because obviously, number one, the Islanders versus Toronto would be great narratively, uh, but also I think Carolina versus Toronto would be a super fun series. Uh, so Islanders, Carolina, um, obviously growing up an Islanders fan, right, the, the, the heart part of me, even though I'm no longer a fan, but the heart part of me uh, you know, still still remembers and and for that reason, I want to see New York win. At the same time, this is one of those series where I I feel like I can kind of be happy regardless of who wins, just because I Carolina is such a fun team. And if Carolina wins, I think that it's going to be fun to watch them continue to play. Uh, you know, I think they're a team that, that's been built really well. Uh, and for a long time, people were waiting for them to take the next step. And obviously, this year they did. They knocked off the Cup champions. And... That's going to be a really interesting series. Uh, one storyline that I think is also going to be really interesting coming out of that series is going to be that the Islanders are no longer playing at Nassau Coliseum uh, for the rest of the playoffs, which is pretty bad because it's such a great atmosphere there. Uh, they will be playing their home games at Barclay. Uh, for example, tonight's game will be at Barclay. Uh, so most of the people in the arena will be able to watch the game. Uh, uh, <laughs> and but I, I, it's going to be a really fun atmosphere regardless. Uh, but I do think it, like I do think that were, we're missing out on seeing another round of playoff games at Nassau. Uh, so Jay, what do you you know to wrap this up? What do you think about this series? I, I think I'm in the same boat as you as the whole. It, I, I'll be fine with whoever whoever does win. But I'm glad you brought it up because there's. It's it's just it's a frosty the hat it's frosty the snowman syndrome with the Islanders. There must have been some magic in that old coliseum they used to play in, because <laughs> I feel like that was a big 
part to maybe some of the tapping into the nostalgia of the of the franchise. So um, it is disappointing to see that that they won't continue the run there. Um, I think I think moving forward, it'd be nice if they could have like left an out for it, right? To like, hey, you know, if they. Yeah, if they only, you know, like maybe have the first to only be at Barclays, but then if they get out of the second round, then they'll open up the Coliseum to, to have people there. But I, I don't know. It's all it's all money. It's all renovation. It's all blah, blah, blah. But yeah, um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I guess I would pull for the Islanders just a little bit more because I think the further they go now is obviously going to make the whole Tavares stuff just so much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe I'm rooting for them to just go as far as possible. Maybe, maybe possibly pull a pull a Stanley Cup out of out of the hat there, just because you know the like petty hockey Twitter is just they would just be so on fire about yeah. that, right? Like, and like every you know, every team he said he said no to is still paying, yeah. and then the team that he left of his own volition, yeah. like. I would also be upset if the further he goes, that means the people who made that god awful like <laughs> Dear John oh, yeah. thing, like they would feel some sort of vindication, and that's that sort of behavior should not be should not be rewarded. <laughs> so, um, in in that sense, I'm I'm hoping for Carolina, and and from the Carolina side of things, yeah, yeah, I I think that is a really fun team. I think the the Justin Williams magic stuff that's really awesome. Like I said, we're also seeing the type of playing that Morazic. Uh, has was was we were all hoping that he would have had when he was uh, a Red Wing, but you know, I, I Pete, his uh, the the clinching game to get them into the playoffs, and they were talking to him. He's like, "We're in, yes!" <laughs> that was so genuine and so nice, and it was very bittersweet yeah. because I just admit, I just really wish that interview had happened on the bench at Little Caesars. But yeah, that time has passed, and I'm and I'm happy for the the the, the bunch of jerks to to get. As, as far as they are, um, Pete, I got to tell you, I'm still also pulling for them to go all the way because I know they said they weren't going to do a sar- storm surge. They put out a press release. They said on t- they've said on multiple areas that they will not storm surge anymore. But Peter, oh, they have to, and they should, and they must, and do it more. You have to like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just salivating at the thought of. And we already said this when they first started this, like a couple of like maybe four or five episodes ago. If they win the cup at home, we have we there has to be like they have to have like parachuters or something. They have to drop they have to drop streamers, silly string, every mm. form of hard to clean up celebratory substance from <laughs> from the all of it just rain down from the ceiling, and then I'm the might. My mind is a flutter of ideas, but I don't want to say them out loud lest they never come to fruition. Yeah. So it's funny. Like, there you go. When you broke into your like announcer voice, it made me think of like like a trailer for like uh, the Carolina <laughs> Hurricanes movie. It'd be like, oh yeah, in a world, <laughs> in a world where fun is bad, they're a bunch of jerks. <laughs> I can't, I can't really do a Don Cherry. It's like one team. Oh yeah, t- <laughs> one team. I tell you what, <laughs> these guys have no respect. Yeah. One team. The Carolina Hurricanes are going to the playoffs. One mission. Evander Holyfield, what's going on? (laughs) That would be fantastic. Um, You know, this this fall, the storm will be surging. (laughs) Carolina, a bunch of jerks. (laughs) That brings us to the end of our episode. Uh, So thank you so much for listening. Uh, Make sure... 
obviously to tell your friends to subscribe, etc. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, if you're listening, uh, if you're listening to this through the website through the Wim Radio or not the Wim Radio through the Winging It in Motown article. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast through any podcast app. All you do is just search for a Winging It in Motown and that will get you uh, the same channel will get you for sure and also Wim Radio and each episode will start with whatever show it's on. So if you are a person who is not a Red Wings fan and you don't really care about the Red Wings centric episodes, you can just listen to ours if you like both teams and go for it. Um also, if you want to follow us on social media, I am at P Flynn Hockey on Twitter. Jay is at the Roar underscore twenty four, and our guest today, Allison Lucan, is on Twitter at Allison L. Like we said, you can read her writing at the Athletic. Also, you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash for sure pod f e r s u r e p o d. And if you want to buy some merchandise, you can go to tinyurl.com slash for shirts f e r s h i r t. So thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. For sure. 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 For sure, for sure.